0: Hey everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0?
1: Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground.
0: Right. So one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones.
1: Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah.
0: Uh, There's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of, but there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up.
1: Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current
0: version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives.
1: You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program.
0: should christians feel about horrific storms and natural disasters we'll find out today on the sound of sanity or sound of sanity and this is nathan oberson your humble and obedient hoist hoist (laughs) 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 and we're off host Uh. i'm a host i'm a host the host with arguably some enough
1: More the host with
0: more than many other hosts, I'd say. (laughs) Am I the host with the most? Though, am I willing to go on record as being the host with the most? Well, there's a lot of hosts out there. There's a lot of great hosts in the history of hosting. You got your Johnny Carson. Your there's a lot of hosts out there. Am I the host with? Am I willing to stake my claim as the host with the most? Not today, folks. I'm too humble and too obedient, actually, and that's why I always say, I always remind you, I'm your humble and obedient host. And my name is Nathan alberson If I hadn't already said that, I am arguably the creative director of Warhorn Media. If you were to argue against that, you would lose because it's just a fact and inarguable. It's almost inarguable. <laughs> it's almost inarguable. <laughs> Great director, co-founder of Warhorn Media, and I'm joined, of course, by the chief executive officer of Warhorn Media. There he is. He's wearing the jeans. He's wearing the button-up shirt. A very... Uh, Most people
1: would call it a button down.
0: A button down shirt, yes, because gentlemen, they button their shirts down. This is something I've learned at various weddings over the years is that if you're in a changing room with a bunch of men and you start to button up, people will mock you. They'll mock you for it. They say, oh, why aren't you button down? But if you button down, you'll get your buttons misaligned <laughs> and you will end up with too many buttons and your shirt will be wrong. False. <laughs> I mean <laughs> to each his own. <laughs> I feel like the best way to prevent my buttons being off are to, is to start by lining up the bottom and then to button up. This is that's that's my tip for all the gentlemen out there. Just just be bold, be your own man. You don't worry about what they tell you about what's what's the best way to button up your shirt. You just you just do what gets your shirt buttoned. Agree or disagree? Chief Executive Officer of Warhorn Media, Jacob Ugh i agree <laughs> you don't have to agree it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you agree at all <laughs> you think that it's r-
1: fine if you get your shirt buttoned up properly that's the important thing then that's the main thing yeah and Just, I don't
0: all the time. The so buttons line up. I wonder whatever, why. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take whatever help I can get to get those buttons get those buttons correct. Well, there he is. He's the he's the chief executive officer of Warhorn Media. He sits behind a ma- mahogany desk most days, smoking a cigar, barking orders at his underlings until the people at the furniture supply store tell him he has to leave. Because that's where this mahogany desk is. He's a crazy person. Um, that would be the implication of that little joke. <laughs> uh, you got me. Ah, uh, We like to have fun at the top of the show we like to have fun at the top of the show but But
2: there's less fun the farther we go. (laughs) (laughs) But we'd like to have fun at the top of the show. (laughs) Oh. (laughs)
0: Uh, And speaking of fun. Whoa. (laughs) There he is. He's wearing a black. Button free. The button free shirt. (laughs) He's wearing jeans as well. We've got two bejeaned gentlemen here. He's wearing tennis shoes. He's got a, a windbreaker behind him sitting on his chair, I think. Does that thing break wind would you say
2: a little bit yeah
0: <laughs> he is of course the personal assistant that's what pa stands for yeah he's the personal assistant to um, everything production assistant oh there we go <laughs> i knew it was pa <laughs> nothing little little personal about it <laughs> no there's nothing <laughs> he's very the very impersonal assistant to warhorn media he just got back he just rolled into town in fact from being on the road with the great my soul among lions band that's right in fair toledo in fair toledo now my question for you ben how were the ladies in Toledo? Did you meet any uh, ladies there?
2: I met several ladies there. Oh, you met several ladies. They were very kind.
0: Did you? Oh, they were very kind. Uh, did you turn on the old uh, Solzer charm? The old prodig- did you like, I don't
1: think I did. So uh, <laughs> I don't think the old Sol- Solzer charm ever goes off, though. So.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe it's time for a new Solzer charm. <laughs> the old one doesn't yeah, seem to be bringing you much that. luck. <laughs> we're gonna work on that. You're, you could welcome you could name drop if you want. You'd be like I, I work with. Nathan Albertson of Warhorn Media. I have i am a personal friend of, um I might be stretching things a little bit, but you'd be like, I'm a personal friend of CEO of Warhorn, the CEO, the chief executive officer of Warhorn Media.
2: I wish that had occurred to me, but it's too late now. You
0: can only imagine the
2: you'd inroads. Come back married. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep.
0: If you ever want to drop our names, that's just fine with me. If, All right. No, the problem with that is that they might try and butter you up in order to get to me. If, the, if it's a desperate single <laughs> young lady, you know, they're always coming out of the woodwork. It's a,
2: I guess it's a chance I'll have to take.
0: The old, yeah, the old Alberson charm does communicate itself over podcasts and various mediums that these young ladies, no doubt, have engaged in. Mm-hmm. We're taking over the world. Isn't that right, Ben? I think so. Did you have a good time with My Soul Among Lions? Yeah, we Jody had a good time. Treat you all right. Give you a good tip. Didn't tip. Slap like, you upside the head or anything like that. Like tie your shoes. <laughs> like,
2: tie your that, shoes. that kind of tip. <laughs> <laughs> a good tip. Wear your shoes. In fact, done not button down. Button down. Don't button down. <laughs> Button down. That down. kind <laughs> of tip.
0: <laughs> well, folks, today we are here to discuss. We like to be topical, don't we, Jake?
1: Yeah, like to be relevant.
0: A topical program. That's why we were talking about Taylor Swift's uh, single last week, which had hit like four sure, weeks, weeks before weeks ago. Or something yeah. like that. Uh, we like to keep it topical. And um, fun fact about Jake, he is a man who is very interested in watching storm coverage. True story. He is a mm. man that if if there are videos on the Twitter or on the social media where, you know, uh, the weather channel is out there in the eye of, what are they called, Harvey or Irma or something, Jake is a man that...
1: going to have a hard time staying away from that even during a small group when I should not be.
0: Right. Yes, yes, yes. So you enjoy watching storms.
1: Yeah, very much. Why is that? I think the real answer to that is that I don't, I'm not a, a, a farmer, I don't, live very much connected to nature, apart from maybe going on a walk now and again. And I love being reminded of the fact that God is in control of everything. And the storms are an awesome display of of power. And it reminds me of my vulnerability, that we all live just on the edge. We are in God's hand. And at any point in time, he can wipe us off the face of the earth mm-hmm. and not just us individually but entire cities and i i so i i feel sort of weird saying it because it's awful what's happened to houston what's happened to islands in the caribbean and southern florida now Her, or uh Irma's still hitting florida as we're as we talk about mm-hmm. it so I, I don't have any delight in the in the destruction or the devastation at Sorry, all
0: certainly don't mean to make light of that i've got a yeah
1: our hearts go out to everybody who's suffering. At the same time, I think there's a there's a sense in which it's a tremendous gift from God to be reminded that we are all in the palm of His hand.
0: Yeah, I want to talk more about that, but um, maybe a little personal history. Uh, obviously, we're in the Midwest, where uh, we're we're like actually we live in like the perfect area. The Midwest tornadoes generally don't hit us. They're they're just a little bit to the what of us the tornado alley or whatever is um, a little
1: bit to the south of us a little bit to the
0: south of us so we get a nasty tornado every once in a while but that's about it uh, we'll hear about things various tsunamis there's the fires in california right now we're yeah. we're really we're
1: pretty insulated kind of
0: insulated from all of that we're just we wouldn't Don't be the first place that north korea would hit with their missiles if they sent them i mean it's just like it's sometimes we feel a little disconnected from that stuff i think it's fair to say
1: that's right
2: there's that ben you grew up where again I grew up in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Yeah, but I have family in Houston and in, in Florida. Are they all right? In Orlando. So far as I know, yeah. But there's a lot of uh, cousins, like third cousins, I don't keep up with. So I might see an occasional update on Facebook. Right. And that's about as much as I know.
0: What are you Is Jake, what's your, what's your history with... What, what's the nastiest storm you've ever been a part of or seen in IRL in real life?
1: I don't know. That's probably pretty hard to say. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. We've had some pretty devastating tornadoes down that way so they've been there's been that sort of thing but nothing that's really hit too close to home snowstorms enough to you know knock power out for a couple of days that's the kind of thing with snowdrifts that pile up to 10 12 feet that's the kind of thing maybe the worst
0: when do you first remember like i remember i my older brother was really super frightened of storms. He was adopted and he had some issues with his family that, um, you know, his original family was abusive. So he had some just issues in general with fear. Every time a storm would come through, this was when I was four or five, my brother would have been, I think, eight or nine. He would become Incredibly frightened, violent, run around, and it was scary because I absorb. I was just a little kid, and I would absorb his fear. And I would hear, you know, my dad trying to calm him down in the other room. So we would have been on the eleventh floor of an apartment building at the time, and the storm would have felt omnipresent, as if it was surrounding the building. The rain would have yeah. been hitting the window, and the thunder and lightning all would have felt very close. And he would be in there screaming in the dark, and mm-hmm. it would just be this uh, this really oppressive scary thing that's how i remember storms being when i was a young kid and so it kind of took me a while to get over that and then when i did get over that i did it with the faux confidence and indifference of a teenager who's won't be won't be scared again so suddenly storms are dumb and i don't care about storms and hey look high school girls i don't care if the rain hits me i don't need an umbrella you know aren't mm-hmm. i cool and indifferent to life and uh, what god does with weather and stuff
1: for me i'm sure that when i was little i was afraid of storms but i can't i don't remember it, it being a dominating or real scary traumatizing kind of thing i feel like i th- one of the earliest conscious of storm memories i have wasn't even storm related it was i was out at my great grandmother's house um, my grandparents were living with her at the time and we'd stay summers Uh, out there during the days and my grandfather was out grilling just outside the garage and I was there with my little brother. So my memory is like a bright sunshiny day and he grabbed us and he threw us into the garage Um, and just then like the split second after he got us into the garage. It was pretty violent. I was scared, like I'd not seen him be aggressive like that with us, and then lightning struck the tree just outside the garage. I was sort of like amazed and in awe of my grandfather for predicting a lightning strike. Like it was just surreal. But it struck that struck that tree. Maybe part of it was just that he wasn't afraid of it. He just he saw it coming somehow Mm -hmm. he dealt with it one of those awesome old person yeah just like one of those awesome moments and then he he went right back out and started grilling again right (laughs) but he made us go inside and we weren't allowed to stay outside he went back out and started grilling again (laughs) it's like it's pretty badass (laughs) 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 yeah i miss him um
0: is that the one that we just lost? Not yeah, ago? just a couple yeah.
1: months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like when it comes to storms, I've always been something of a thrill seeker. Like I can't remember not wanting to see a tornado.
0: Have you seen a tornado?
1: When I, I spent a summer interning at a PCA church in Mississippi and there was a funnel cloud that passed directly over, stuck on the interstate. And there was a funnel cloud that passed pretty much directly overhead and ended up touching down. Pretty far from us. That's the my closest experience. But no, outside of that, no, I've not. But I'm like, I mean, if I love being here at the church property because uh, in sure. this part of Indiana, uh, maybe a lot of our listeners imagine Indiana to be super flat, the way that we would imagine Iowa or flat corn, Nebraska, country. flat corn country, and it is that on the northern part of the state. But we're just in the uh, southern enough portion of the state with hills as you get down and start getting closer and closer to the river. And so there's actually not a lot of great views of storms. And so, But I love being here at the church property because the area surrounding the church is actually a pretty level, spacious area. And so I love being here when storms come. I'll be the guy that is just sort of standing, staring at the out the window or standing outside in it or on the edge of it, um, watching it come and what I will say is that when I became a Christian, storms did take on a different meaning for me. So it went from this sort of like risky, I like feeling like I'm on the edge, to something that became a very God-centered thing of I feel and see in in the storm the power of the living God. The glory of the of God in the storm is just super appealing to I love I love that. Part of why I love it is I just don't have or take or make enough space or opportunity for myself to uh, to see that in other places mm-hmm. and to meditate and dwell on it so every opportunity I get like that I just I want I want to I want to be in the eye of that storm mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like <laughs> as as twisted as that may sound I I want to mm-hmm. feel like a moth drawn to flame or something right. like that you know
0: Now Ben fun fact about you you are mm generally spend two to three hours a day sobbing because of the two to three women that reject you per day. And so you enjoy the right. rain, I think, because it washes the tears away and kind of the rain Masks mingles with and- it. People can't really tell. They just think, oh, he's got, that's rainwater. That's th- those two drops of water Slowly dripping it's, from his eyes, that that's just salted rain.
2: It's it's pretty cathartic. In fact, I just heard a song about that. In fact, about a guy who can't cry and he looks up at the sky, waiting for rain, because then people won't know that he's crying because yeah. the rain is. It's so it's funny that you you know you bring that up, but yeah,
0: I don't think it's funny at it's, all. I feel your pain, and I'm sorry it's, that it's also sad. You but have to feel that way. It's also way. funny. <laughs> um, I hope one day a woman says, yes, I hope that you can find someone, you know, maybe yeah. she's nearsighted. Maybe she, uh, <laughs> maybe she's, <Aww>. uh, <laughs> too much, <Aww>. too far. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> there's, yeah. a, there's somebody out there for everybody, Ben. That's, that's what I truly, uh, well, I don't really believe that at all, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> carry on my wayward son i'll be peace when you are done Thanks, your weary head. and don't you cry no
2: more yeah well yeah storms are pretty cathartic that way <laughs> what's, the, what's, what's your actual what's <laughs> your actual history of the storms storms i've always loved them always love thunder and lightning Love the feel of it, like having a hand come down on you. That's how it kind of feels when the pressure changes. Mm -hmm. Sense of anticipation, the wind stirs. Oh, something is going to happen. You feel like God is near. You you remember,
0: have you always connected it to religious things or has it just always kind of been a thing?
2: I, I don't remember. I think I've always connected it to religious stuff. Yeah, I think so. Some sense that God is active in a storm from when I was a little kid. Yeah. So I I always liked them and I still do. When I lived out in Washington state in the Tacoma Seattle area where I was, you don't you don't get many storms. You rarely hear thunder or lightning. Maybe you hear it, see it once twice a year. And that's that's really the truth. So it's nice to be in the Midwest, which is more like the south where I grew up where yeah, you can you can get a lot of thunder and lightning in a year. It's very enjoyable, but um yeah, that and all kinds of weather hail, snow, anything that's a change, mm-hmm. I really enjoy. I, I feel comforted by it and I haven't been in this st- awful severe weather situation the closest thing is one blizzard in 93 in Chattanooga it's a storm that affected a lot of the country but it was the most snow I'd ever seen still maybe about the most snow I've ever seen fall a foot and a half so not that much if you really live up north but right. it was a lot for us in Tennessee when I was a little kid going out in the snow drifts and then being in the in the wind when the snow presses so hard against your face you can't see and you feel like you can hardly breathe mm. that mm-hmm. was that was that was on that felt dangerous and it it was very exciting to be in to be there some people some hikers died things like that mm-hmm. but we we were never in any real danger except for being out in the snow and maybe getting separated from our dad but that didn't happen it could have
0: are, are we describing right now it occurs to me that i'm not sure are we describing the do most people feel this way is this a relatable podcast that we're doing or is this like are we weird or are, are we being like weirdly sanctimonious to like make it kind of like oh you know we if we think about god every time that the the nature stirs her, her hand is um <laughs> what do you think the general
1: <laughs> Well I think it probably depends on where you live I think mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. live out in Oklahoma where you can't help but be affected by tornadoes every year you might see things pretty differently than we do we may just be insulated it it may be in part because we're we're a little insulated um like we talked about at the top of the show but at the same time i think i think all good all good I think all Christians, God reveals himself in nature and God reveals himself in nature in the beautiful things and in the powerful things. We have to have our eyes open to see that. And that's actually, that's not been something that is new across Christian history, at least.
0: I think in some in some ways, I am always inoculating myself against nature because the world is full of annoying, liberal, whatever, like, ah oh, the beauty right, of nature yeah. and da, 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 da. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. That's idolatry. That's obviously bad. So yeah. I'm just going to stay inside. And I, I like nature because they dig minerals out of it and they use these minerals to build iPads so I can watch YouTube videos. That's a nice feature of nature. Nature is the thing that I drive through to get from point A to point B be for the most part and sometimes i watch some things that have nature on tv but even but even for me like i'm not a big planet earth guy i'm not i know a lot of people really are junkies for that kind of stuff and i'm generally not
1: i love planet earth i haven't seen planet earth too though so maybe i don't love it as much as lots of people i
0: like that uh i like that but uh, whatever, the mongoose that escaped from those snakes. That was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a good YouTube video. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Um I'm sure probably, you you have seen it, though. Everybody's seen that, I bet. I mean, it's easy to be pious about it and say, oh, you know, God is in the storms and let's look at the Psalms. But then, you know, like, well, here we've got, we've got uh, Harvey and Irma, you know, people are really suffering. Yeah. Is it wrong to see and appreciate the power of God? in that somehow is it wrong to i keep wanting to say like get off to 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 it for there to be some sort of enjoyment or pleasure or wow god's awesome when you see like you showed me a video yesterday that showed up on twitter of uh, something in irma i think it was where all these crazy finger like funnels were yeah. just come it was like these twisty, tendrelly things just stretching across a parking lot or something like that as the mm-hmm. rain just went like flew sideways and it was just like I mean, it's everybody always says this, but it's always true, is that you think, Oh, that looks like one nope, of those movies. Movie. You know, yeah. that's and, and that's your gauge for how impressive something is. And but you do you do think that and it is kind of awesome. And then you think, eh, but you know
1: I think that uh As Christians, we have to have uh, the ability to live in tension where God is sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over the wind and over the rain and over the seas. And if there's a storm, it's because God has done it, not because we've done it through man-made climate change. Whether or not we're involved in the climate change, God is sovereign over all things. Mm -hmm. And if there is a storm, God has done it. And if God has done it, then as students of Scripture, as lovers of God, we look at it and we see God's hand in it and God's power and should be in awe and uh, should, it should put us in mind of the power of God. It should help us to fear God and to think of the coming judgment because that's what one way or another uh, disasters like this are, judgments from God. They don't happen outside his hand. They don't happen outside of his control. All disasters like this, none of them happen if, if Adam hasn't sinned. And so they all Should put us in mind of the judgment seat of God. And for the Christian who knows Jesus, that's a happy thing to be reminded of because it puts us in mind of our own sins before a holy God who's awesome and glorious and beautiful and who can ride in the eye of the storm. And yet, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we will not be consumed. I remember very early on uh, being a Christian reading Jonathan Edwards talking about how... um he, Very
0: famous passage in Jonathan Edwards, maybe.
1: Yeah, I... But yeah, really sweet passage where he talks about how he used to be terrified of storms, and then until, until he came to understand and embrace the sovereignty of God in over all things, including mm. storms, and then suddenly storms are sweet because they're guided by God's hand, and they show and display the power of God who means all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And that can be very difficult to believe when you're— suffering because of them, or when you see people suffering because of them, but God doesn't call us to understand all of his purposes in every individual circumstance of how people suffer and don't suffer, but he does call us to see the macro that he is God, he is sovereign over all things, he is in the storm, and there's something terrifying and terrible and beautiful and wonderful about it that should make us fear him and love him and call to mind the judgment seat of God, and then calls us to compassion for those who have suffered as a result of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know people try to resolve that tension in different ways. I, I knew a pastor who, uh, he would have said he was a Calvinist. He would have said he believed that God was sovereign. The one thing that, he, if I'm remembering it rightly, he did not want to give God, and it was weird. I thought it was so weird, weird. He did not want to say that God was in the dust motes. He said God can turn Pharaoh's heart. God can... Do this or that, but God can use natural causes to let. I don't even know how he made it work in his head exactly, but it bothered him to think that God would bother with the dust motes hmm. somehow. And he would, what he would have said is, oh, I'm a Calvinist, but I'm not angry about it, which generally means...
1: You're angry about it? Right. You're, you're very <laughs> mad about it.
0: <laughs> you don't like the sovereignty of God. But, you know, you have scripture passages about God knowing every hair on his, our head, and it seems nice. But here was a guy that, you, you know, that's like a sweet, like, you know, his eyes on the sparrow. Everybody likes that. But, and he, I'm sure he liked that too. But for some reason, the idea of God as being anything but, uh, what's the word for uh, what they always say, the founding father's were just deism, you know, for um, God set the clock in motion, that whole thing. He wanted God to have set the clock in motion when it came to certain aspects of nature. It helped him resolve certain tensions that he felt in order to, if he could, you know, like he would say that God sent some people to hell and some people to heaven. He was willing to swallow that bitter, bitter pill. He didn't want to get specific about it or allow to God to get specific about it when it came to nature. And I think I kind of get that. I mean, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand why that would be a temptation for somebody. Like, you don't want to have to think about God's judging people through Irma and Harvey, for example. Yeah. If you can keep God out of the dust moats, then you can keep God out of judging people through Irma and Harvey.
1: Well, you can keep God out of the brutality of predators and prey. Right. It's an even smaller example, but something that does bother people, you know, watching planet Earth or whatever.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, you, what What? do you say to that guy Um. besides read your Bible, pastor?
1: <laughs> well, that is one thing that you have to say to somebody like that. And don't um, be
0: angry about it.
1: At, at the end of the day, you, you have to be willing to let God be God, humble yourself and accept the fact that God is God. And that means he's wiser than you in how he ordains things to come to pass and how he guides uh, creation and how he guides things on this rolling sphere. And you can't control everything and you don't need to. Um, And you don't need to understand everything. You don't need to understand why. You don't need to have an explanation. What you do need to have is an understanding that God's sovereign over all things. And that means good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes and so love god and strive to be found in christ and learn to delight in the fact that he he rules and reigns nothing happens outside of his control including what happens not just in nature but politically the king's heart is in the hand of the lord and he turns it wherever he wills and kings include presidents and and congresses and parliament houses and that's a good good thing even if it means that there are terrible things that happen and terrible consequences short-term. God is always in the big picture moving history uh, towards a glorious, glorious, and where all stand before him. And every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. And that's what we need to to have our eyes fixed on, especially um, when things like this happen. And then we always We joke from time to time about uh, Mr. Rogers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um, Mr. Rogers has a a great little quote that I think is really helpful where he he says, when I was little and I saw something scary on on TV, something bad happened, and I'd be afraid my mom would always tell me to look for the helpers Mm -hmm. because they're always... They're always there. They're always people who are helping. Got
0: the great Joel Osteen. He opened the doors right up on his church. He let people right in. uh, The
1: Southern Baptist Convention is amazing. Yeah, no. Um Hmm. the relief efforts, the organizational skills, the mobilization of the of the Southern Baptist churches in our country is just insanely admirable. Mm-hmm. And they are uh, the hands and feet of Jesus um, in Houston. Lots of other denominations, lots of other uh, churches and individuals who love Jesus down there doing good work. But man, it's tremendous to, s- to see and to know and to see some of the stories about the way God's people have, have come to the aid. And, and, and outside of Houston, even just taking people in.
0: Well, and... <laughs> Maybe so. Here's the more difficult thing to maybe talk about, which is I don't want to let us off the hook without really discussing the fact that, of course, we feel compassion for people. Of course, we mourn with those who mourn. Of course, Christians should be the first ones to be helping everyone. But there is a good, a godly delight in seeing the power of God unleashed in nature or in anywhere else. And maybe I can explain it best by I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this in some. Capacity on Warhorn, various media of the Warhorn variety before, but um, I, very personal. Probably one of the pivotal moments in, in my testimony was that I always, always, always really loved uh, horror movies, especially supernatural horror movies. I liked stories about big, dramatic evil. Stephen King, monsters, H.P. Lovecraft. You know, big monsters. That was what I was into as a teen, as a gothic emo kind of a teenager. I never really thought about it. I just. Knew That that's what I'd liked, and I knew that and I also knew that I wasn't particularly inspired by, you know, I didn't like to read my Bible, I didn't like to pray, I didn't care about the things of God all that much. But what I never really understood was that my appetite for power, for supernatural power, was actually a healthy one, which I was just feeding with the wrong food. And I remember specifically reading Psalm 18. At some point, I think in my early 20s, or maybe late teens, but I want to say it was I was probably 21 or 22. David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall be, I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death come past me. The floods of ungodly man made me afraid. So he's, uh, you know, all this bad stuff has happened. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind he made darkness his secret place his pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the sky the brightness that was before him his thick cloud passed hailstones and coals of fire the lord also thundered in the heavens and the highest gave his voice hailstones and coals of fire Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of water were seen, and the foundation of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above, he took me, he drew me out of the waters. And I remember reading that, and I didn't mean to pull it up in the King James there, but I'm glad I did, because I'm pretty sure I read it in the King James just by accident the first time, too. And I remember just being floored by, the thing that I actually thought was, well, there's the horror movie monster that I've been looking to worship my whole life. Which wasn't a very noble thing to think, but it was the right thing for me to think at the time because what I actually meant was all my life I've been searching to worship something that's more powerful. And so the best thing that I could possibly come up with as a dark, dumb, emo kid was, was, was stupid fictional monsters. And now here's a description of God and he's powerful, and he's clouded in darkness, and he's sending out lightning, and he's wiping wickedness away, and it's big, and it's powerful, and it's exciting, and it's cool, and it takes your breath away, and it's the real version of every dumb special effects spectacle movie you've ever seen, and that's something I want to see. You yeah. know, That's something I want to worship. That's yeah that's God and it's delightful and and I don't have to be live my life in in fear of all this fear Fake stupid stuff or, 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 or do my, um, I don't know what you'd say. I, I don't have, I don't have to try and find anything else or find power in anything else, you know, cause I felt so small and afraid and emasculated as a young man. You know, I just felt stupid all the time and I wanted to put my trust in something stronger. And so I was putting my trust in the dumbest thing ever. And then just to know that God was powerful was so helpful. And all my life I felt like people had been telling me, God is kind, God is love, he's a, he's a father. And that stuff's good and it's true and it's helpful. But if that's the only thing that, that Christians are telling you, that's not everything. I think especially as a man, that's not everything that you need to hear. You mm-hmm. want a warrior king that you can put your trust in mm-hmm. and that has your back. And if you know that you have that, it's just like the coolest thing ever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a reason there's a there's a trope in uh movies or kids' movies where Simba's gonna go roar at the at the hyenas and Mufasa's gonna be behind him. The good dad that loves him, suddenly he's fierce and he's gonna roar at the same time and Simba's gonna think, Hey, maybe I we just watched Pete's Dragon and the same same trope was there with, you know, the dragon was behind him with the mm-hmm. grizzly bear or something like that. And that's what every kid wants. Every kid wants a dad that doesn't just love him and, and isn't just tender with him, but that love and tenderness for him translates into uh, his ability to become fierce and ferocious and protect his his children that he loves.
0: And ferociousness, actual ferociousness is yeah, part of like it. Real. That's what you want. You want to be able to, and every earthly father eventually fails and disappoints you one way or another. The good ones do better than the bad ones. But you want to be able to know that your dad can kill the bad guys, actually. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want to be able to know that there's nothing that your dad wouldn't do in unleashing his strength against something that was going to hurt you, up yeah. up to crippling, destroying, killing, maiming, kicking <laughs> the crap out of that thing with no mercy. Yeah. You, know?
1: you came in, my son. It's over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every um, every son wants that. Yeah. And and then you know God's presented as. As this sort of like benign flowery thing, you miss the fact that no, he's he's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I the the Lewis quote that's so overused that I'm ashamed to use it.
0: I was just thinking the same thing and equally ashamed, but equally wanting to use it. He's good, but he's not safe.
1: Mm-hmm. He's not safe. Right. Um, He's not a tame and, and, lion. And sorry, this is going to be a shameless plug for our Psalms project, but mm-hmm. this is why we need the Psalms mm-hmm. in our worship, mm-hmm. because the Psalms glory in this sort of thing. Psalm 18 is a great example, but it's uh, we would be doing our listeners a disservice if we left them... Thinking that was the only example. This mm-hmm. is all over the Psalms. Yeah. And this is the songbook of the people of God. And th- this is David and the psalmist just praising God for being terrifying.
0: And I bet it wasn't <laughs> theoretical. I bet David was the sort of man who, if he turned on the TV and saw Harvey and Irma, the first thing he'd want to do is write a song about it. Because about it's, about how awesome. it's it's God's power unleashed.
1: Well, I mean, as you were how how could you not think of Irma? Did you guys see the did you guys see how the the ocean is gone in the Bahamas? It was yeah. just emptied. I saw a
2: headline, like, I didn't see like a picture.
1: As far as the eye could see, the whole ocean bed was exposed because hmm. all of the water got sucked away by Irma, and so the people just out there walking on the ocean. And as far as the eye can see, it's like. Here's the beach, and for miles there's just the bottom of the ocean not covered by water at all because by the blast of by a blast of the breath of his nostrils, he took it all away mm. <laughs> and laid the foundations of the ocean bare right. literally right there and, and we know that's what you know David's referencing the the Red Sea, what God did there, but guess what that's what God did, and that's what god he still does that he can still do that right <laughs> it's it's amazing it's cool um And I I was thinking of Psalm 29. Mm -hmm. Uh, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. And so we're watching this stuff and we're watching... These trees just snap in half.
0: God's actually breaking the cedars. We're seeing it. It's not it, just some and, theoretical. Yeah,
1: and to pretend and to pretend that that's something that we should not take delight in is to be far too holy. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. to be more holy than God. It's to be more pious, I should say, than than God or than Scripture. Because here is David, and he's this is this is an exciting theme that he's like. God breaks the cedars of Lebanon. I guess Lebanon might have been the enemy, but they used the cedars of Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, Either way. here's a beautiful, amazing thing. Our God breaks the cedars in half with his voice. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's amazing, and it's wonderful and rousing. Right. I, I want to be behind that king. Right. I want to be, you know, it doesn't matter what... Um, what's happening in our country. It doesn't matter the pressures that are being brought to bear on us. It matters. But the God of the hurricane is the God I worship. Yeah. The nations are dust in his hands. Yeah. And He, the king of heaven sits in the heavens and he scoffs at the, at the rulers of men who think they're going to raise their hand against him and his anointed.
0: Yeah. I just, I think and, everybody, uh, there's so many Christians that want to, maybe they believe in the sovereignty of God, maybe they don't even believe in it, but if they believe in it, it's a bitter pill to swallow and it's one that they kind of have to work people past and help them resolve the tension and all that, but it's actually so cool <laughs> like it's so sad that i would have to go see like a movie and see like how peter jackson showed good definitively blowing evil to pieces with special effects and just get a tiny little thrill out of that or whatever it is and then think that there's nothing of a real good godly righteous instinct that can actually find its its fuel its food its whatever that can find its um what's the word that can find its home in the actual God who actually does things like empty the oceans with a blast of his nostrils. I mean, yeah. and once you take delight in that, then you get the loving father God back in such a cool way because he is a loving father and this loving father that can also wipe the world away with a flick of his finger.
1: And yet fills the sky with his rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's really cool. It's really mm-hmm. cool. It's just, um and I'm sorry to use like, dumb teenager language about it but that's the only way like I want I want to just express it almost as a dumb teen I'm doing that on purpose I think because it's like it's cool <laughs> it's it's not like ah, oh, a righteous thing that I have observed with mine eye no it's just cool <laughs> like other things are cool. It's not some pious thing. It's it's not some thing that I go to church and I think about for 45 minutes and feel some sort of holy thoughts and pat myself on the back about. It's like an awesome thing that I get to live with all the time. And then if I'm going to a good church, they're just going to make it that much cooler. But... um I don't know. Is there anything else to say about that? Anything you want
2: to say? No. <laughs> there's no there's no lasting comfort in a storm. No enjoyment of it if God's not your heavenly father. If you don't know that, that the same power he's breaking cedars with is a power that works for your good because you love him. Because he's called you, made you his own. Yep.
0: I mean, that. that says it. Well, that's about everything that we have to say on the subject, I think. I mean, I hope this doesn't seem callous towards the real suffering. Certainly don't mean it to be. Certainly uh, do feel bad. I don't even know how much to even say about that. But, I mean, we we do understand it's it's awful. But you have to be able to live that tension, and you have to be able to worship the God that does those things. And, um, yeah.
1: Well, Job worshipped the God of the storm uh, when he had given and when he had taken away. And Job never denied that God was the God of the storm, that God was the God of the whirlwind. Whirlwind, And uh, he never stopped worshiping him as the God of the whirlwind. And so when the whirlwind took away his family, Job shut his mouth and worshiped God. And when the Lord rebuked him out of the whirlwind, Job shut his mouth and worshiped God. And the way that we deal with the whirlwind when it strikes home is not to pretend that God's not the God of the whirlwind, but uh, acknowledge that the Lord gives, the Lord takes, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen.
0: Well, thanks for listening, everybody. The Sound of Sanity, as always, was engineered by Benjamin Sulzer. Sulzer? Sulzer? Sulzer. Sulzer? Sulzer. 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 Engineered by Benjamin Sulzer, produced by Nathan Oberson, like all fine Warhorn products, executive produced by Nathan Oberson and Jacob Mensel. Until next time. Stay sane.